So you had options this morning, and you showed up here. I like that. Hundreds of you had options this week, and you ended up reading the Live Dead journal this week. And if you haven't picked yours up yet, please do so, because we're, we're speaking out of that journal. It's a 30-day journal. You said, well, I didn't get one. I'm behind. Look, today's only day seven of reading through the journal. Stop by the media desk. They're only $6. Pick one up for you, your family, and join with us, because it's, it's pretty impactful. And so you read that this week, and you've even involved yourself in the activities that it suggests, and I like that. And after considering the sermon from last week, many of you had the option to keep living the life the way you've been living it or choosing to live dead, to cross over to this process we're calling living dead. And living dead, if I had to put it in its simplest form, is this, to follow Jesus so that we actually live and love like him. In fact, Jesus made it very clear when he said this, and and John, his follower, wrote these words, He said this, Jesus answered, time's up. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now listen carefully, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. Thank you. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. And if any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. I can still remember as a child when my grandparents got their first television. And for some of you, that would be pretty tough to understand that it wasn't HD. In fact, it wasn't even color. It was black and white, mostly grayish. And they only got two channels because there were only two broadcasting companies. It's interesting, years later, I I was going to college and I stayed in their house for a year. I lived with them when I was going to college for one year. And even though at that time there were a whole lot more channels and they had even invented this thing that we called the clicker. Remember the clicker? Remember that? And they called it the clicker because it did what? It clicked. They still only watched two channels. And they would be the two channels where they could find Lawrence Welk and Bonanza. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Bobby, when are you going to marry Sissy? (laughs) So if my grandparents were alive today, with satellite TV, Netflix, Blu-ray, and the Hoppa, they would be confused. In fact, they would say, we don't need all that stuff. In fact, I'm pretty sure the remote would look like this. All right, now see that picture? You did? That's living dead. Living dead is choosing to reduce our options. Living dead is saying, I don't need that stuff. 
Jesus said, so I want to talk to you about life. And the word that he uses for life is very, it's vital here. It's, he could have used the word zoe, which is the word for any kind of life. So life could be your life, or it could be the life of a geranium or an amoeba. That's the life. He didn't use the word pneuma, which is also life, but it means breath. And it's the word that is used specifically for the spiritual life so that you have the holy pneuma, the Holy Spirit, the holy breath of God. He uses a Greek word called suke. Suke is life. Suke is the seat of the personality. It is where you process your intellectual thought, where you attach emotion to it and you make decisions. And mostly those decisions deal with how we're going to survive and thrive in this world. And most of those decisions naturally are me thoughts. How am I going to survive? How am I going to thrive? How am I going to take care of this? And it's not a whole lot different than the animal kingdom. And I, I think we have a video. Guys, do we have that video up there of the animal kingdom? Okay, these guys caught some Maui. No, uh, Mahi, watch what happens. Oh. 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 Did you see what happened to that? Now that is something. That's, that's a crime. You fishermen are just dying, aren't you? <laughs> we are that seal. It is built within us to want to survive, and so we're going to take hold of whatever we can and make sure we've got what we need. And so Jesus said, I want to tell you about that part of your life. That, that, that thing, another word for that is we call it selfishness, self-focus. So I want you to bury that. I want you to get it out of the way so that it's not even an option anymore. And what I want you to do is I want you to give your life away. I want you to be reckless in love. He's saying, have a generous life, and then we'll find our passion for living. You want passion for living? He said, I want you to give away your life. And let me define passion for us this morning. Passion is a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for someone or something causing motivation to act. I want to revisit a story. Some of you have heard this before, but when Pam and I, our, our kids were small, they were young, and 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 there was a day I came home from work and I was pretty exhausted. I was tired and, and we got these four kids running around and, and, and I walk in the door and Pam, who's been home with them all day long, gives that, that line, your daddy's here, go find him. And so they take off and they, they come running. And so we fall down on the, on the carpet in the living room and, and I start wrestling with them. And then we did this thing we called buckaroadie where they would get on me and I'd be a, like a horse and I would buck them off. And we would do that until someone got hurt. That was usually the ending thing. And this one time we were doing that and they got hurt. And when they got done, the kids wandered off. Pam came up to me and she moved in really close. And she embraced me and she just gave me this, this really wonderful, 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 wonderful kiss. Did I mention it was wonderful? And then she whispered in my ear, I love it when you love my kids. I said, you hang on just a moment. I'm going to go love them some more. I'll be right back. <laughs> I, I love them, but that, that is passion. 
So Jesus says, do you get it? My father wants to, he wants to honor you if you will live dead and if you will love recklessly. He really wants to be with you and he will reward you. And, and the only way that I can just, I, I'm going to just put it in this frank manner that he wants to come and embrace you and give you this holy kiss that just shakes you to your toes. And then he wants to whisper in your ear, I love it when you love my kids. And you go, Jesus, I'll, I'll go love your kids. You hang right here because, because I love them. But boy, now that's passion. Well, wait, wait. Who's his kids? Well, understand the context of the verse we just read. The context is that these Greeks, Greeks from the view of a Jew, are that the Greeks are unclean. They can't even be touched. The Greeks are polytheistic. They have many, many gods. And you only believe as a Jew there's one God. And so these Greeks come and they say, we want to see Jesus the rabbi. And Philip doesn't know what to do with that because you just you don't connect with these people. So he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, the, the Greeks are here and they want to see you. What do we do with that? And Jesus said, it is time for me to be glorified. It is time for even the Greeks to understand how great my love is for them. So we're going to expose them to my love. How? Philip, you're going to give your life away for these guys. Well, why would I want to do that? because I love it when you love my kids. The passion to live dead is rooted in a passion to experience Jesus. That is our motivation. Jesus made this statement. Matthew recorded it and said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I love the words of Soren Kierkegaard who wrote these words. He said, what does this mean? What have I to do? Of what sort of effort is it that can be said to seek or pursue the kingdom of God? Shall I try to get a job suitable to my talents and powers in order to exert an influence? No, thou shalt first seek God's kingdom. Shall I then give all my fortune to the poor? No, thou shalt first seek God's kingdom. Shall I then go out to proclaim his teaching to the world? No, thou shalt first seek God's kingdom. But then in a certain sense, it is nothing I shall do. Yes, certainly, in a certain sense, it is nothing because nothing before God, become nothing before God, learn to keep silent, and in this silence is the beginning which is first to seek God's kingdom. It means this. I go before God, and I say, okay, here's everything I got. This is me, and, and this is what I have, and I, and, I, and I lay it to you right here because I just, I, I want to be with you. See, that's why last November we talked about dethroning the gods of poverty because to do that, we have to have God help dethrone them. And the way that we get God is to, is to connect to him by giving him everything, which included giving him our tithe. You say, oh, what's this whole thing about tithing? Well, I just want to tell you that tithing was before the law and it was after the law and it was part of the law because it was the way that we take a tenth part of our resources and say, this is a declaration that you rule everything and that you'll take care of me and therefore I'm giving that to you because I want to draw closer to you. 
And, and I bring that and I bring it to the storehouse, which is this community of faith. The storehouse is where my covenant community is, where I, I love you and I take care of you and the, my giving helps support you in your tough times and help develop the ministries that have affected you. That's why I bring that to you, or to this church in God's name. And that's why the beginning in, in January, we began this whole study of, of the holy wild and started talking about the disciplines, the holy habits. Of, of fasting and secrecy and solitude and studying scriptures and prayer. We went through all of that so that we could move in close to him because getting close to him affects our passion. And we've got to have passion to live. Isaiah had this wonderful relationship with, with Jehovah God, but he wanted closer and he got closer. And, and as he got closer, suddenly he, he, sees, he sees this God that is just amazing. And he says, here, here, I want you to have everything. I'm dumping everything. And I got to tell you, everything I brought is not really good because I'm an unclean man with unclean lips and I have faults, but I'm bringing you my faults and all my stuff, my resources. I'm dumping it right here. Do what you can do with it. And God says, I can take care of that. Just open yourself up to me. And so then he heals him of the broken pieces. And now the most amazing thing happens when he does that is he moves close to God. He hears God say to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit convening. He's, and God says, well, who shall I go? Who shall I send? I got, I got something that needs to be done, and who shall we go? And Isaiah goes, ooh, 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 me, 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 with passion. He goes, me, why? Why you? Because it matters to you, God. Because, because this matters to you. I want to be a part of that. Our passion intensifies when intimacy increases. So that I stop worrying about what I'll have or not have if I follow Jesus. I stop worrying, okay, well, when we, when's he going to ask me to do something and, wh and what will I end up doing and how will I do it? No, no, no. In our intimacy with Jesus is the most amazing thing is we just focus on intimacy with Jesus as we, as we use those disciplines to move us closer. The most amazing thing happens in, in those moments, God says, hey, Reisner, the stuff you brought, pick it back up. And come with me because I have some people who need me. And I go, okay, I want to go with you. I want to do that. Then we begin to realize this, that living dead is embracing my assigned community. Not necessarily the community I was raised in and not necessarily the community that has the best cost of living and not necessarily a community that's a whole lot warmer. Because passion overcomes preference. We have friends who once in a while will go visit Oregon for the first time. That's where Pam and I came from. And, and they'll come back after seeing the beauty of Oregon and they'll go, why did you ever leave? Well, because Pam and I were doing our best to really understand God and love him. And one day he just said to us, all the stuff that you've laid before me, pick it up because we're going to go to Erie, Pennsylvania because there's people who need me there and I need you to do some things. And, and we said, okay, we'll be right with you as soon as we figure out where it is. And so next week, we begin our 20th year with you, and, and we're not here because we're forced by God to put up with lake effect potholes and Canadian buses. <laughs> we're here because we have passion for this place. You see, when you move close to Jesus' heart, his passion is imparted to us. Paul expressed this feeling when he 
wrote to his friends in Thessalonica, and he said, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. We loved you so much. The wording actually means that I'm just really drawn to you. I just, I just, I, we just want to be with you. And because we're with you, it seemed good to us to share Jesus with you. And our lives as well. Our lives, suke. We took the things, our dreams and, and our desires, and we buried them and gave them to you so that we could help you because you're so dear to us, because we love you. The word is because we agape you, because we have such great passion for you. The very word that was used for God so agape the world that he gave. I spent enough time with him, Paul's saying, that the very love that God had that he would send his son is the love that I have for you. I have this passion to be with you. So this is how that works. Amy and Will have moved to Somalia with their kids. Somalia. If you recently watched the movie Captain Phillips, you know about Somalia and the way that they will pirate ships and Somalia is a tough place and Black Hawk down, the helicopter went down in Somalia. Somalia is a tough place. So how, how do you embrace that community? Listen to Amy's words. You asked how I feel about the dangers, the possibilities of harm and death that could be involved in following through on this calling. In prayer, I cry with Jesus over these matters, over the ramifications on our children, on my husband, on me, on our marriage, on the work. We cry together, and Jesus speaks to me, I'll die. I know these words may not comfort all, but they comfort me, they humble me, they bring me clarity, they ground me with the perspective for living well. I don't think we pay too high a price. I feel what I can do is obey. I feel what I can do is trust God. I feel what I can do is walk with the Lord. We do all die. We have one life then to live, to give. And how could I do anything but that to which I am called? As I take my mind to Jesus, I lose the fears and I find peace that does not originate with me and goes deep enough for me to stand in. I find joy in his leading and what he is leading me into. I dream to live long and peacefully and joyfully in Somalia. I intend to make a home that exalts Christ in all things, and I do hope God isn't leading us to die in Somalia at the hands of hatred. But I will not be ruled by that possibility, and I feel I would be a fool to think that my life anywhere is free from death. And I surrender with great joy to his plan, trusting however he plans to sow our lives. See, that's passion for community. That's embracing community. So what about your community? What about Harbor Creek? What about Summit? What about Erie Insurance? What about Penn State Barron? What about Fairview High School? What about Roosevelt Middle School? What about those places? If Jesus cried over his assigned community because they didn't trust him. How does he want us to feel about our community? How are we feeling about our city? How are we feeling about our campus? How are we feeling about our friends who Jesus labels lost? Lost meaning those people who are suffering from evil and are not experiencing his love. Last week, I read about a church, a large church, 
who sent out letters to half the congregation and asked them not to come back. And the letter simply said this, for the last couple of years, you have not given any of your resources, your money or your time, and you have not served anybody. In fact, you've come here and you've actually drained our resources just so that you could sit and enjoy yourself. We've got to be about what God has called us to do and we can't have our, source, our resources drained. So therefore, we're asking you to not to come back so that we have enough to go after the people that God called us to take care of. Now, you're welcome back when you're ready to give of your life for others, but until then, don't come back. Pretty tough, huh? So today, I'm kidding. No, we're not. <laughs> said, is that right? Well, let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus said to his disciples, those followers, he said, I want you to understand what I'm going to do. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. And you can follow me, but not if you don't do this. Don't come after me if you don't do this. And Luke recorded it. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? I, I just want to stop here and just say, you have allowed this preaching staff in these last months to really give you deep stuff. And I so appreciate it because it's the depth that we're teaching now that will transform you and transform us as a community and transform this region, commu regional community. If our money stays in our pockets, if our time stays in our hobbies, if our prayers just stay for the blessing of our meals, if our tears are reserved for our own disappointments, have we crossed over to living dead? I dare us to ask Jesus how he feels about our community and then ask him to help us feel the same way he feels, to give us that same passion, because this is not some religious exercise we've got going on here. This is about people who are suffering evil, who are dying in evil, and Jesus saying, I have a rescue mission and I need you to be part of that, but to do that, you have to live dead. And Jesus says, and let me ask you this, what good is it for you to gain everything you want to hold on to by not living dead? Because I'm going to tell you right now, you, kind of live, you continue to live that kind of life, it will kill you and you will have no life, but if you live dead, you will find wonderful life. Do you really want to lose your life? Do you really want to lose your passion? For passion for life can only be kept by giving it away. This week we got a letter from Scott and Karen. They live dead in Africa. And I want to read to you that letter this morning. Many of you remember last year the tumultuous time we had with our teams in the desert sands. As a result of government pressure, we had to close down all our projects and evacuate out of the country. One of the things that burdened my heart was that we were just beginning to see people responding to the gospel. That's the good news about what Jesus has done and the church being planted, these communities of faith being established. We were concerned with the impact, what the impact would be as we were leaving when the church was so young. 
After being out of that country a few months, we began to get reports, and rather than shrinking, the church was actually standing strong. In fact, it had grown in numbers and started planting other house churches. God's grace is so amazing. It was a wonderful reminder that it's his church and nothing will prevail against it. And this week, we received an update from one of our former colleagues who oversees one of those house churches. He was arrested by security. He's from an ethnic minority in the country and is facing intense persecution. There's no doubt that he's being beaten for his faith and being questioned about other believers. So please pray that the Lord's presence would surround him, that God would give the courage to remain faithful and a witness, and that God would provide for his family while he's being held. At the bottom of his letter on his stationery are these words from the scriptures, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Even in persecution, Passion can bring good news, can bring beauty, but it can only happen when we live dead. So this week, as I've been reading through the journal, and if you're like me, you've cheated and read ahead, I shake my head and go, God, could I actually live this way? Could I really do this? And I think God says, if you go for it, you will. So let me encourage you with walking through this exercise this week, it's in your notes, and to ask yourself some questions. And these are the questions. First of all, what options should I reduce this week? I heard a guy speak, and he he admitted, because he's trying to live dead, he said, every Thursday he, he gets rid of something. Every Thursday, he eliminates something in his life. And what he does, he, he looks at his passion for living, and, and on Thursday, he goes, well, that's not really helping me, so I'm going to get rid of it. In fact, to the, to the group of people he was talking to, it was a, a large mass of people, he said, in fact, he said, if, if you're single, get rid of a boyfriend. Get rid of a girlfriend on Thursday. You don't need them. So that's my prophetic word for some of you this morning. <laughs> Secondly, what disciplines do I need to implement this week so I can have Jesus? Remember, we asked you to, find one of those disciplines we went through and work on it between then and Easter. Do that. What will move you closer to Jesus? Because that's what affects our passion. Number three, what do I need to change this week so I'm not wasting God's resources but rescuing the lost? And that that question leads you to this. Who are you thinking about that, that is suffering evil and needs to know that Jesus loves them and cares for them? Are you focused on them and what do you need to do to get to them and talk to them? Can I just be really brutal? If we were all living dead, we wouldn't be able to hold the number of people that would come and worship with us. So it means some of us, maybe all of us, are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Number four, how do I need to change my lifestyle this week so my passion is renewed? In this process of living dead, it is not so that you can be miserable. Actually, it's to find the joy of God. That means you've got to take care of yourself. Because the high call to live dead cannot be sustained unless you take care of the basic needs. And so may I just encourage you, Pam and I have this thing, and we, we, we read a book, and some of our small groups are doing this too. It's called Tank Fillers. What is it in life that you enjoy doing that just energizes you? Don't wear yourself out during the week. 
all the, just do the things you need to do, but then do your tank fillers, whatever ever it is that, that God said, go out and, and take a walk on the peninsula, go, whatever it is, get the energy and, and, and the, the beauty of God back in you, just enjoy life as he's designed it for you. Do tank fillers. For you, it may be going for a run. It, it, it may be a hobby that you're into. It may just be sitting down with a cup of coffee with some friends. But put that in your life so that you're not burning yourself out. This is part of what I was going to tell you in that little section there. So I'm cheating a little. I'm giving you some of it. Hang out with friends who energize you. Now, I'm going to tell you that most people that you deal with are nice people, but they will drain you. Remember when Jesus said, Virtue has gone out from me. They were nice people, but it came out of them. So when you deal with people, when you help people, when you live dead and you're helping people, it, it, will, it will drain you. So find the people, those mentors, those comrades, uh, that, that one, that protege, whoever you're working with, that when you're done, you go, boy, does that feel good. But if you spend all your time with draining people or with just nice people, you will have no passion left. And then finally, we all need a Sabbath. We weren't designed to go seven days a week without a Sabbath. The Sabbath is a time we just say, God, I just want to rest in you. I'll be with friends that I like, and I'm not working today. I'm just not going to work today. See, a Sabbath is not for you to work six days at your job and to do all your house projects on, on the Sabbath. That is not it at all. It is so that you can rest because if you are not energized, if you are not rebuilding your passion, then you have no way to live dead. You'll just be dead. So you got to do that. So this morning, our prayer for you is that you will take hold of the passion that God has placed within you. I'm going to ask Emma Jones to come join me on the platform. And we've told you that at the end of each of these messages, we have a prayer for you. And we've asked Emma this morning to come and lead us in that prayer. So will you stand? After she has prayed, we will be concluded. But she's going to pray this morning that you will have passion and that you will be willing to live dead, that you can change other people's lives. Emma. God of the living, last week we dedicated ourselves to cross over from a kingdom of selfishness to a kingdom of selflessness. Today we corporately choose to reduce our options. Instead, we give away our lives in reckless love, rec reckless love for you. Reveal to us how to live a generous life and to find, once again, a true passion for living. We declare that we want our passion for you to intensify, so we ask for an increase of intimacy with you. We understand that this will require more sacrifice of us. Today, we choose to stop worrying about what we will have or not have. Instead, we hear you, Jesus, saying over us, pick up what you've laid down and come follow me. I have some folks who need me. So we will respond with obedience. Today, we embrace our assigned community. Our passion and obedience for you will overcome our personal preferences. Move us closer to your heart and passion, Jesus, so we can receive this impartation. We will ask you what our community is and follow through. We will increase our passion for you and the life you have given us by giving it away to others. Lord, refresh our passion. Show us where we need to say no or cut back so our bodies can be nourished and our call is renewed. We are in desperate need of your passion manifested here on earth through us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.